It's happened three times in 17 years. It seems pretty likely that it's going to happen again. The question will be, how much more prepared would we be for the fourth emerging coronavirus? David Wang of Washington University wants you to think about the danger of zoonotic diseases. That danger is something that's become all too clear in the last year. I'm Sarah Fenske, and this is St. Louis on the Air. David Wang is a professor of molecular microbiology and pathology and immunology at Washington University School of Medicine. And we are so glad uh, that David Wang is here with us. So Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So one of the first things we learned about the coronavirus, or at least we thought we learned, it certainly is the conventional wisdom, is that it came from a bat. Is that even true? And, and if so, how does a virus make that kind of jump? Yeah, so that's almost certainly true. And we know that because the sequence of the virus, of the SARS coronavirus 2, which causes COVID-19, um, is very, very similar to the sequences of many different viruses that have been found and detected in bats in the wild. Hmm. And so based on that similarity, it's almost certain that that's where it originally um, existed. And then something happened so that um, people call this spillover, where occasionally viruses in animals in the wild can encounter humans and then uh, accidentally can infect humans. And in a small fraction of those cases, very rare cases, that then establishes an infection that can spread to other humans, and then that's how sort of pandemics can be born. Hmm. So that kind of spillover you're describing, does that take almost the perfect storm for something that has been plaguing bats to end up taking off like wildfire in humans? Yeah, it takes a, it's a pretty rare event for it to actually become successful. It probably occurs with greater frequency than we, we think, hmm. um, but most of the time what happens is a virus might get into a human, but then the human, uh, once it's there, it can't actually get out. And that's often called a dead-end host. And hmm. this probably occurs much more frequently than we, than we realize. But once in a while, you get something that then can further spread and amplify and take off like wildfire. Okay. So tell me about the bat part of it. What are some ways that a virus could end up making that jump from a bat to a human? Do we have to eat the bat for this to happen? Right, so that's a great question. And in the case of SARS coronavirus 2, we don't actually know if it was a direct interaction between a bat and a human, or whether there was an intermediate host where the virus from the bat maybe have jumped into another animal, and then something happened and it evolved or mutated in that animal, and that animal then was um, exposed to humans. Mm -hmm. In the original SARS outbreak in 2003, there was a really clear trail that led from a bat to an animal called a civet cat mm. in these wild live animal so-called wet markets in China. And then from the civet cat, that's what spread the virus into humans. So that trail has been really well established for SARS coronavirus 1. For this current outbreak, it's not exactly clear what happened, um, but there's been some suggestion that a Another animal, a pangolin, which is kind of like an armadillo-like animal, mm -hmm. might be involved. But again, the, the jury is still out on whether that's true or not. You say with this previous SARS uh, virus that, that it was clear what had happened. And this lack of clarity on this one has led to some conspiracy theories. We've all heard this idea that, oh, this must have been invented in a lab and, and maybe it got loose from that. Does anything suggest to you that that might be the case? 
So from my professional virology experience, I have no reason to think that this was engineered. Hmm. It has all the hallmarks and characteristics of a natural virus that evolved in bats and then accidentally spilled over into humans. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's the that's what all the evidence would support right now. So this is behaving in a way that you would expect a virus like this to behave. Yes. It's interesting, this kind of conspiracy theory. I wonder if we turn to ideas like this because it's almost scarier to believe that this could be in any animal at any time and, and have that kind of spillover. We want to believe there's like an evil hand or some lab somewhere manufacturing this stuff. Um, can you see sort of the convenience of, of that explanation rather than saying, oh, this is in the world all around us. We've got to learn to treat wildlife better. I can certainly understand that instinct. Um, but that said, I think that, you know, we have to look at the facts and the facts, there's simply no facts to support the um, idea that this was man-made or engineered in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that we have to do better to sort of overcome that instinct to, the, or that knee-jerk reaction to f try and find a um, intent um, so nature works in lots of random ways. And, and so I think that's the, that would be my take home message about the mm -hmm. conspiracy theories. And the way that nature worked in this way, what we understand about this COVID-19, even though it's not 100% clear to us, um, are there things that we can take away from this that will help us prevent this from happening again? Uh, so I think that there's a lot of lessons that we as a community should have learned over the past 17 years, because this is not the first time a novel coronavirus has emerged. Hmm. As I mentioned in 2002, 2003, we had the original SARS coronavirus that emerged. And then in 2012, there was another coronavirus that, has, that emerged called MERS, or standing for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome Virus. And there are parallels between those two and the current situation where bats are thought to be the original reservoir, there's thought to be transmission possibly through another animal, in the case of MERS, it's a camel. Um, and so we know now that there are many viruses that are probably capable of jumping to humans. And we should use that information in a proactive way to guide many aspects of the response. Um, this includes things like public health responses, but also, um, for example, the development of very broad vaccines or therapies. Hmm. It would be ideal to have some kind of pan-coronavirus vaccine or pan-coronavirus therapeutic drug that could be ready and available the, minute, the next time something like this happens. Because it's happened three times in 17 years, it seems pretty likely that it's going to happen again in the future. And the question will be, how, more, how much more prepared would we be for the fourth emerging coronavirus. It's interesting. I'm thinking of this as the wake-up call, but you're saying if people were paying attention here, we've had a number of wake-up calls. We just didn't act on them or, or didn't act on them quickly enough. What are some specific things um, you would like to see us do going forward to prevent this from happening again? You talked about the development of, of a vaccine that would cover this broadly. That seems like a great idea. Um, any other suggestions? Yeah, and I think um, that's a really critical point um, that I think the 2002-2003 outbreak should have been a warning to the whole world. Hmm. It was, in fact, a very, very stark warning to parts of Asia that were heavily hit. So countries like Taiwan and Singapore. Um, and likewise, with the MERS coronavirus, there was one episode where 
there was imported travel case in Korea that led to um, about 200 cases in Korea. And the South Korean government has cited their experience in dealing with that as being um, a training grounds that gave them confidence and expertise in the strategy that they've taken this year. Hmm. And they've been able to handle that um, in a very robust way. And I think that here in the United States, we didn't take either of those two, two outbreaks that seriously because we didn't actually have cases in the U.S. Uh, maybe there were a couple of imported travel cases, but there was no, <clears throat> no sustained transmission in the United States. And so I think we felt like, oh, it's some other country's problem, and it's not really our problem. Mm. Um, so I think from the public health perspective, um, just much more awareness, much more investment uh, is necessary at, at baseline. So, for example, now all local communities and, and states are trying to hire lots of contact tracers. And so I think we need to have just more investment in preparedness on the public health side. And then, as I mentioned before, from the sort of more medicinal side, um, research and development for broader antivirals, um, both from a drug perspective and from vaccine perspective, I think those are really important because that way you can be proactive and get ahead of the game instead of responding every time in a reactive way to what's emerging. Oh no, today it's another new coronavirus. We better go get another specific drug for this one. And it's possible to do that. We can put together these broader, broader antivirals and, and broader vaccines um, even before we know specifically what's popping up. Well, so that's that's a question, and that's um, that's something that lots of scientists are working on, and I know companies are working on that, and I know that NIH is trying to push this idea of uh, uh, sort of platform technologies that target a uh, wider range of pathogens rather than just a single pathogen. Hmm. And so this is, uh, you know, there's no guarantees, but if you don't even try, then there's no way that we'll succeed and be prepared. Mm -hmm. Well, it's great to hear people are moving in that direction. That seems so hopeful. And I understand personally for you, um, you're working with other researchers and establishing a new international collaboration. The idea is to help scientists prepare for the next pandemic and perhaps provide insight into the current one. Um, what do you see as, as some of the ways you're going to be trying to do that going forward? Yeah, so that's right. So this is a new initiative that's being funded by the NIH, and they actually solicited the um, applications a year ahead of the actual COVID outbreak. So it wasn't actually, all this was pre-COVID planning, but the idea was to set up international centers for preparation for new emerging viruses. And so the research activities we're undertaking, along with many partners in different countries, including uh, Nepal and Ethiopia and China, um, is we're looking, monitoring humans who have disease syndromes, so things like fevers or um, brain and neurological infections with no known microbial cause to try to see if there are new viruses that are causing them. Hmm. And at the same time, we're also monitoring different animals and insect vectors that might be responsible for transmitting them. And so we're combining this surveillance with a lot of work in the lab to try to build diagnostic tools and also critical reagents to be able to study these new viruses um, in a very careful and sophisticated way. Well, that feels like such important work. It's so good to know you guys are on this, and, and we wish you the best of luck with that. So uh, Dave Wang of Washington University School of Medicine, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org. Or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Evie Hempel and Lara Hamden with production assistance from Aaron Dorr. The senior producer is Emily Woodbury, and the executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.